You're listening to the Physics Ed Podcast. For hundreds of ideas, free experiments and more, go to physicseducation.com.au. And now, here's your host, Ben Newsom. Welcome again for another Physics Ed Podcast. Glad to have you no matter where you are around this world of ours. We are talking science. We are talking about science extension, which is an amazing opportunity that students have to get into real science connected with real research. Today we're hanging out with Dr. Lisa Cabral, who is the lead teacher of science from the University of Technology, Sydney. We talk about science extension, just exactly what is it, and more importantly, what are the benefits and how might you get your students into this? So let's get right into it. This is the Physics Ed Podcast. We're all about science, ed tech and more. To see 100 fun free experiments you can do with your class, go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. And click 100 free experiments. I've been involved in medical research for most of my life, but also um, heavily involved in education all along the way. So... Um, I guess through my medical research, just to give people a little bit of background on different things that I've worked on, because I have worked in many different areas. And I guess that's what's really exciting about science as well. Mm. So for those of you, you know, young people out there who are thinking of science as a career, it is a really awesome thing to do. Um, so I started off uh, very young. I um, finished school and went straight into the workforce as a laboratory technician, and I studied a Bachelor of Science part-time. So I was very, very lucky in that I went into a very exciting laboratory that was working on cancer at the time. So I got to look at the effect of carcinogens, which are nasty chemicals that unfortunately can cause cancer. And so we were looking at these potential carcinogens on um, liver cells in rats. So that was pretty exciting for me back at the tender age of 17 to be working in a really dynamic, exciting lab like that. Um, I then moved on and worked in a laboratory um, in the physiology department. And this was working on alveolar type 2 cells in the lung, which um, we were looking at because at the time it was thought that this could be really important for looking at cot death, which we don't hear much about today. But back when I was young, cot death was the big thing that everyone talked about. Uh, I then moved on to vascular biology. So looking at a very special cell called endothelial cells, which line blood vessels. And we were looking to see um, how important they were in tumor growth. Um, and I then did my PhD looking at the human immunodeficiency virus. And we were looking at ways that we could stop the virus from binding to its target cells, which are your um, cells like your T cells involved in your immune, immune function. Um, and then from there, went and worked as a senior postdoc, um, working on those really, really nasty aggressive cancers like geoblastomas in your brain and also pancreatic cancers. Um, and then I had a, I guess I always mentored students along the way. So always involved in mentoring honours and PhD students, which was always lots of fun. And I got involved in CSIRO's Scientists in Schools program. And I guess that's where I really decided that education was the way that I wanted to go and went on into education. So, yeah, very exciting. I always find it fascinating how people find their way into education. And you were educating from way back, as yeah. you sort of think about it, that's for sure. And, um, I mean, gosh, so you fell into biomedical science very early. What 
drove you into it? I mean, there was a reason why you stepped to the lad at that, you know, at that 17 year old age. Yeah, look, it's funny, Ben, because lots of people always ask that question. And I guess for me, I don't really know. I I I loved learning, like lifelong learning for me is amazing. So I think like I've always loved learning everything. Um, so I kind of, I guess I kind of did everything. Like even back then, you know, shorthand and typing were subjects back in my day. So I even did subjects like that. But at the end of the day, I guess because I could do science, like I, I chose those subjects. But at that stage, I really didn't know if I wanted to be a chef, an architect, a scientist, <laughs> like I wanted to do so many things. Um, but yeah, like I said, because I could do science subjects, I chose them and yeah, I, and I loved it. So yeah. Uh, and I can know that there'd be some people listening in thinking, you know what, that's me too. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's and 100% that's, the case. Yeah, and I know we're about to move on and you know talk about the subject science extension, and that's one of the hardest things coming up with what you actually want to do for your research project. So I think it's the same th thing through life. You know, if you're passionate about life in general, then it sometimes is a struggle to decide what you actually want to do. <laughs> so tell us a bit more about the science extension program because you're now very much involved with that. I mean, how's that going? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's going really well. So um, I just started uh, working at UTS this year because we have a brand new program called Mentor Science Plus Science Extension Program. And I guess for us, it, it, the main objective is that it, it is a big social justice initiative for us. So we realise there's still a lot of schools out there and therefore students out there who can't access science extension as a subject uh, because their schools sometimes just don't have the capacity to offer the subject for them. Um, so that's one of our main things to offer the subject to those students. Um, but then we also offer mentors to students within schools who do offer science extension, but we offer scientists and higher degree research students to mentor students through the science extension course. Oh, fantastic. So, I mean, how many schools are currently involved in this? Mm, so we currently have 16 schools involved. Um, and over 80 students at the moment. So, yeah, so it's it's going really well. Um, one of the main challenges, I think, for everyone with Science Extension is that it would be fabulous if every single student were able to have a mentor to help them. And I guess in our program, that's kind of what we've guaranteed. So if you choose Science Extension with us, we guarantee a mentor, but we always need more. So if anyone's look, watching out there <laughs> from other organisations, uh, maybe you're a retired scientist or, you know, then, then we'd love to have you on board as well. Oh, for sure. And when it comes to mentorship, and there'll be people who are listening who 100% could help you out there for sure. Uh, often the question that comes out is, okay, what does that involve? How much time are we looking at for mentoring? Because mentoring takes a lot of different shapes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, look, with us, we're so from the time that the students get started with the mentoring, which is pretty much now, so we just started our mentor-student partnerships last week, um, which was amazing. So we had a whole lot of students come to UTS, meet up with their mentors in this massive room. There was a real buzz, heaps of discussion going on. So it was absolutely amazing. Um, but so yeah, the mentoring starts then and it goes through till the time students have to submit their reports. Um, but the amount, what we've found in the past is that generally students need a lot more support and guidance at the beginning. And then again, at the end, 
So we, we do ask uh, for around 10 hours of mentor's time with the student from the start to the finish. And that can be via Zooms, via emails, um, obviously face-to-face -face when possible. So that's pretty much how we work. So with the uh, mentoring, do they have to be explicitly involved in the project itself or they can be sort of off to one side in a different organisation and sort of giving guidance and hints? Yeah, so both, Ben. Like it's great if we can have um, mentors that um, – you know, have expertise in the area that the students have chosen a project on. But some of our students choose things that are, you know, we had someone this year looking at TikTok, for example. Well, I couldn't find anybody who was who was doing research on TikTok in in from my networking. Um, but you know, the role of the mentor really is to support and guide the student. And obviously anyone who has been a scientist knows the scientific process. And so that's the really important role of a mentor is to be able to guide students through that scientific process, not so much be an expert in their area. So I'm curious, you would have seen some fantastically interesting projects come across your desk at the time to submit. I mean, okay, this is almost unfair, like you can't pick a favourite, but at the same point, there are things that grab your attention, right? I mean, what have you seen uh, researched by the students? Yeah, look, like you said, it is like, it is just so vast. It's crazy. Um, look, we did have a student one year um, who was interested in um, a model kind of project. I think this student was also studying investigating science at the time, but they were just really curious about wombat poo. So I don't know if anyone knows much about wombat poo, but it does have a very unusual shape when you compare wombat poo to other animal poo. So, so they were really interested in creating a model to look at that. And it was just, yeah, amazing. Some of the, um, yeah, the, just the thinking that went behind that. So that was kind of probably one of my favorites just for or the sort of, you know, out there kind of thinking of something to look at. Um, but yeah, like we've had some, um, you know, there's been projects with more of an engineering focus, um, some with more of a technology focus. Uh, we had a student doing design and technology. And so she decided to kind of work that in with her science extension as well. So she was looking at fabrics that could actually um, inhibit bacteria growth, thinking that in hospitals, perhaps we could use, you know, different materials to protect nurses, for example. So yeah, look, the, the, yeah, the, the different projects have just been, you know, so varied. It's like you say, it's really hard to pick a favorite, but yeah, they're just, they've been amazing. So oh, for sure. And in some of these ideas have a commercial viability. Okay. I mean, look at the fabrics. I mean, yes, hospitals, yes. that is, makes total sense with bedding, especially with your background, Lisa. Uh, but I mean, think of the number of people who probably need said fabrics on them because it gets a little bit, yeah, it would be nice if they, it's almost self-washed, but you know what I mean? Like it would help. And also if you're listening in and you're wondering about what is the shape of uh, wombat poo, it is cuboid. And I believe it's two sphincters off the top of my head. Um, and it's what, sorry, Ben? Two sphincters off the top of my head, if I remember correctly. It's like <laughs> cleaves and cleaves. Yeah, there now, you go. That is something I would never have thought I'd be mentioning on this podcast, but there you go. You know, I know, you just it, never know where it's going to take you. <laughs> absolutely so. And if you want to go fact check it, please let me know if I'm wrong, but I believe it was something like that. So that's really neat that the kids do this. Now, the thing is that they do, and this is for a formal subject, they're submitting it and it's, it goes towards their, their overall marks. Um, 
exactly. they could deploy these projects in a variety of different STEM competitions, couldn't they? I mean, I'm thinking they've done the work. Why not get more bang for your buck, so to speak? Oh, look, absolutely, Ben. And look, we strongly encourage at UTS that students do enter their reports into the Science Teachers Association of New South Wales or STANSWA uh, Young Scientists Award. So we actually just hosted that at UTS recently. And it was amazing seeing some of the things that students had done. Um, it makes you want to like be able to actually read <laughs> their reports because you just sort of see the titles and you go, oh, wow, that sounds really interesting. But yeah, so strongly encourage students to do that. Um, if you happen to uh, be a student in a public school, then you can also submit your reports to a science extension journal um, that the department puts together as well. So there, there's also that possibility for students, which is fantastic. Oh, for sure. And if you haven't come across the Young Scientist Awards, I've attended as well, um, definitely. And they start from the very young. I mean, you're talking about students who are about to leave high school. Yes. But they're all going all the way down to kindergarten. And I mean, I remember actually oh, one that stuck in my mind with the really young ones. I remember seeing one about blueberries. She was highly interested about the size, the volume, the color. Yes. What do you get in your pack? <laughs> it could be anything. There was a four-year-old this year, Ben, and oh my goodness, she was so tiny. And I should probably shouldn't say this because she might be embarrassed if someone was listening, but you could see that she like actually fell asleep at some point during the <laughs> during the evening because yeah, it was just it it was tiring for everyone and it was very hot in the hall and <laughs> she needed a little nap. But yeah, it's amazing to think that we've got four-year-olds managing to develop. Obviously, they're getting some help, but coming up with an inquiry question and a hypothesis and thinking scientifically, scientifically, it's just amazing. So as I think about these projects, I mean, there might be some people considering maybe taking this course, or there might be some teachers wanting to perhaps take this on in their school. Uh, What's some advice that you give as students prepare to enter the course, to produce a project and submit, or perhaps for teachers, uh, if you're going to supervise students who are going to go into this sort of thing, uh, what would they need to be looking out for? Uh, so what's some advice in that way? Yeah, look, for students, I think like we were saying, like sometimes in life, it's it's hard to narrow down what you actually want to do with yourself. And this is one of the main challenges um, for science extension students. It is trying to narrow down what they want their research question to be. And so I guess my advice would be is to actually try and nut that out soon. It doesn't matter if you change it slightly, but you want to have something to start working on right from the start so that you can see you're making progress. I think for students who put that off and think, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll, you know, I'll think about it later. And like, they're the ones that tend to, to struggle a little bit more. So I think, yeah, the key for students is to come up with that research question early on. Again, you can change it, but it's so that you've got something concrete to start with and then you're developing your proposal and your plan from that. And once you've done it once, it's easy to then do it again if you do change your question up a little bit. So that would be my big advice to students. Um, I guess for teachers, uh, there are a few things that I guess are a little bit tricky for teachers who haven't taught the subject for the first time. 
Um, and one of those would come from module one, where you have to learn quite a bit about the philosophy of science. Having said that, though, it's the area I love to teach and that students really love as well, because you're learning all about the history of science. Like, how do we actually know what we know? Like, how did we actually come up with the idea of doing an experiment and scientific methods and, and all of those things that we just take for granted as being part of science today? Um, so if teachers get the opportunity, I think it really is worthwhile to perhaps go back and do a course on the philosophy of science. Um, there is also a wonderful book that someone suggested to me when I first started off, and it is called What Is This Thing Called Science? It's by Alan Chalmers, and it's a really great book looking at the philosophy of science all through, um, through time. And it looks at those key things that you need to teach in science extension, like empiricism and epistemology and Occam's razor and falsification and all those words that if you're listening to me right now and you've never heard of them before, probably sound very scary. <laughs> um, but yeah, this book really helps and it, it really helps you get through that part of the course. Um, the other thing I would highly recommend is going to a statistics workshop. There are very, There are many um, workshops at various universities that you can attend. They're all equally good. They're just, you know, slightly different from one another. So I really would recommend that because statistics is the other part that is quite difficult for teachers who perhaps haven't done any statistics. Well, I shouldn't just say any statistics, but if you haven't done inferential statistics before, that can be the area that also becomes quite difficult. I was also just thinking about students that want to link in with an institution to use their equipment. I mean, that's hard enough for a PhD student, for someone who's actually even working in some organisations. No one let you touch the things. Well, how do they go about linking with the institutions to go to about their study they dearly would love to do? Yeah. So great question, Ben. And to be honest, it really does depend on what the student wants to do their research project on. And again, universities do things different ways. And I actually think that's a great thing because it means there is more flexibility depending on what students want to do. Um, so I can't really talk for other organisations, but for but at UTS, um, there are certain things that students obviously can't do, okay? So we're not going to let students come in and use radioisotopes, for example. We're not going to let them come in and do animal work. We're not going to let them come in and use genetically modified organisms. So there are certain things that are definitely no, <laughs> but there are also a lot of things students can do. So Interestingly, from our Meet Your Mentor workshop that we just had last week, um, it turns out we have quite a few students who are doing studies where they're going to need to um, analyse samples and work out what is actually in those samples. And so, for example, we have amazing HPLC equipment. Um, which is high performance liquid chromatography for those who don't know. And so you can use that to then work out what is actually in samples that you might have. And so for things like that, um, students are more than welcome to come to UTS and under strict supervision, obviously, by their mentors or the scientific team, they can do those types of studies. Um, similarly, uh, looking in marine biology, um, bacterial work, plant work, there's no problem with um, coming in and using our facilities to do those types of studies as well. Oh, fantastic. So uh, 
I'm excited. It's really good to find out a bit more about Science Extension, what you've been doing and some of the ideas that students have been coming up with. So if you're listening in, what might you do? What might your class do? And perhaps you might want to get in touch. So with that in mind, Lisa, how do we get in touch with you? Yeah, so so if you go on to uh, the UTS website, Faculty of Science, you will see that uh, on that there's also a section called Outreach. And so you will find our Mentor Science Plus Science Extension program there. Um, or you can also contact me directly by email on mentorscienceplus at uts.edu.au. Fantastic. And as usual, we put these links in the show notes so that you can go and get them. Look, look much appreciated, Lisa. And I hope you um get a bit of a break <laughs> over this time. I know it's been a busy term for, and um, and those people listening in, please consider uh, putting this in front of your students. Maybe they might want to take this up because these students doing these projects will be the scientists of tomorrow. And we know this. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely, Ben. And I think like everyone who's done science extension and then come along um, to university moving forward, they all comment about how science extension has helped them so much once they've got to university and they just feel like they're so far ahead of the rest of the students who did not do science extension because it really is the only subject that teaches you that proper scientific thinking and following through the scientific process. And producing something that you can submit like a real scientist in the first place, which is fantastic. And, yeah, um, absolutely. Speaking of real scientists, if you happen to know one, maybe they want to be a mentor. Might be well worth reaching out as well because I, I reckon, I mean, it's rewarding. Oh, absolutely. Like the mentors that we had this year have just said it was not only fun and rewarding to help other students, but in science as a researcher, sometimes you can spend a bit of time where day to day you're working on the same thing and maybe things aren't going so well and, you know, it takes a bit of perseverance. And they said just being able to mentor another student that comes along all excited about what they're doing then makes you excited again too. So I think it's, yeah, it's a real, there's, there's no negatives to being a mentor, basically. It's all positive. So, yeah, I strongly encourage anyone out there who's thinking about it to give it a go. Great positive note to finish on. Absolutely, I agree. Oh, well, thank you so much, Lisa, for taking some time out of your busy time to do so. I mean, gosh, I, I suspect you're quite busy, but uh, look, thank you so much and uh, I hope to catch you another time. Oh, good, Ben. Thank you so much for inviting me. We hope you've been enjoying the Physics Ed podcast. We love making science make sense. Why don't you book us for a science show or workshop in your school? If you're outside of Australia, you can connect with us via a virtual excursion. See our website for more. So I hope you enjoyed that chat with Dr. Lisa Cabral. This is very interesting when it comes to science extension because it's real research opportunities. It's about linking the HSE science extension course with the researchers at UTS. Now, if you want to be a mentor, reach out to Lisa. The link is in the show notes where you can go connect with her and type in UTS science extension to your favorite search engine. You will be able to find all about it. So I hope you can get involved. You've been listening to me. This is the Phys Ed Podcast. I'm Ben from Physics Education and I hope to catch you another time. You've been listening to another Physics Ed podcast. We're excited about science. Subscribe to us on iTunes to download the next episode as soon as it's released. And don't forget, for hundreds of ideas, free experiments, our new Be Amazing book and more, 
go to physicseducation.com.au. That's physics spelled F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S. This podcast is part of the Australian Educators Online Network. AEON.net.au